I am beyond excited to announce that I have partnered with Magimix for season eight of Crazy Sexy Food. Magimix is a family-owned business that has the amazing reputation as makers of quality kitchen appliances that are adored by chefs and home cooks alike. I remember growing up and always seeing my mum's beloved Magimix on her countertop and the utter ease of how she used it. With their 30-year motor guarantee, these machines have always been built to last. They continue to be relevant as ever in the busy kitchen and make fantastic food processes that make your food go further and reduce food wastage. They are a godsend when it comes to batch cooking and using up leftovers. I use my Magimix every single day. If you're ready to step into the world of Magimix with a new food processor, blender, ice cream maker, or any other bit of kit, then simply pop over to their website and use my exclusive code at checkout for a 15% discount. The code is MagimixCSF. Make it with Magimix. Hi, and welcome to Crazy Sexy Food. I'm Hannah Harley-Young. This podcast is all about the love of food and how it plays a part in our lives. I sit down with well-known personalities, food experts, chefs, and people who, well, just love their food to find out all about their life, career, and their favorite tastes along the way. Hello, how are you? <laughs> I haven't started yet. Oh, well, I'm, I'm just saying hello just before you started. There's nothing like starting anything with a smile, is there? Exactly. It's that kind of thing about revealing oneself. I was talking the other day and I was saying that uh, the greatest gift I was ever given was one teacher said to me about, you know, understanding human reactions and human beings. He says, the only thing we really reveal, he says, if you can, is your eyes to people. So he said. True. After a while, she says, can you imagine what happens if you open yourself up even more? You smile, you're revealing a little bit more. You show your teeth, you're revealing a little bit more. You laugh, ha ha, you're opening yourself up completely. You're allowing someone in. And I thought, wow, that really is, that's what it's all about. We're frightened. So many people do that cover up, don't want to, because they don't want to reveal. But once you reveal yourself, then people reciprocate. They'll give you back something more. So now we've had a giggle, we can start. Philosophical. Uh, I love no, it. We, I got, we got deep really quickly there. Oh, it's a coffee lobby. It's very strong. Is it Mexican? <laughs> no, I think it might be Colombian. Oh, oh frothy on top. <laughs> oh, lovely. Oh, God, I can see where this is going. Okay. <clears throat> Today I'm joined by a national treasure. Ainsley Harriet is sitting in my kitchen and I am not okay. Ainsley has been on our screens for nearly three decades, fronting some of the most well-known food shows of our time, namely Ready, Steady, Cook and Can't Cook, Won't Cook. He has written 16 books. His shows are broadcast around the world. He has cooked for celebrities near and far. And in 2020, he was awarded an MBE for services to broadcasting and the culinary arts. He is the epitome of joy. You cannot watch Ainsley on TV without a smile on your face. And now I get him all to myself to find out all the tales behind the man. Ainsley, this is the biggest pleasure. Welcome to Crazy Sexy Hannah, Food. what a pleasure it is to be in your kitchen. And this is, I love going into people's kitchen. Do you? Well, it reveals a little bit about each other. You know, it's kind of, and I like the fact that everything's kind of quite meticulously sort of wiped down and pots and pans <laughs> and everything looks good instead of, you know, having a few oil stains and oil splashes and stuff like that. It's lovely and it's re- probably a reflection of you. Well, well thank you, darling. But I, I must say the sad part of that whole um, sort of critique you've just given yeah. is that that is normally what it's like because my OCD is always on overdrive. I'm so mine. I just, I, I hate Look a dirty my, kitchen. Oh, you know, I'm so, I spray every night yeah, before I go out and yeah. I got me cleaning stuff and I yeah. give everything a bit of a wipe down. I can't get a bed with a sink full of no. pots and pans, oh, you know. Absolutely just, not. I, I don't want to wake up in the morning and start my day thinking, ah, that's the first chore of the day. Yeah. No, it's got to be just, just so and then it's organised and, uh, well, perhaps we should move it together. <laughs> I thought you'd never ask. <laughs> oh, oh, not even a show yet. I know. I mean, we just me... went straight in there. Oh. I always start my interviews with asking, what did you have for breakfast today? And, um, I, I've just had toast this morning, actually. I've been sort of quite, had quite a busy morning and uh, I had my coffee and I wake up and I always uh, prepare uh, my dog, 
Bobby. I prepare him some for his sort of breakfast too, you know. But he, um, because I've <laughs> because I've been uh, cooking. Actually, I went to a friend's um, party on uh, Sunday, and. Um, they uh, had some steak there, and I knew that people are getting a little bit funny about steak now. You okay. know, there was a, a, a vegetarian option, and there was a, a sea bass option too. And it was his birthday party, and I said to the uh, waiter, "I said, if there's any bits of meat left over? Can you save them for my dog, Bobby?" <laughs> He said, oh, yes, Ainsley, no problem at all. I do that for you in the wink, you know what I mean? So we'd been bonding a little bit. And, um, and of course, I, I came home with about 20 pieces of little... Oh, wow. You know, some of them are cut up. Some people only had half of it. But Bobby has been feasting himself on fillet steak with truffle sauce. Oh, oh God, goodness me, I want to be Bobby. I know. I have to wash off a bit of the truffle sauce because he <laughs> kind of looks at me and thinks, what? What's this? What's this? This is for pigs. He says, Ungrateful. Unbelievable. I can't believe it. He looks at me and says, incur my displeasure again. How dare you? <laughs> so I must admit something. Yeah. You are in the home of an Arsenal supporter. Oh, wonderful. And I know that you are an Arsenal big Guna, supporter. Big Guna, absolutely. I am not the Arsenal supporter. Oh, who it is? It is my husband who's sitting over there behind the cameras. Uh, really? And so that's what? a big shame. Suddenly he, he looks very attractive <laughs> from here. I mean, I... I... <laughs> So that's probably why you quite liked being in here, because you, yes. you've got the energy. I think so, I think so. Ainsley, as I said in the intro, this is a really wonderful moment for me because, you know, I am from that generation of the ready, steady Kirk and the can't cook, won't cook, and you were just an absolute staple at mm. that sort of... I, if I correct in thinking, Ready Steady Cook was like a 5pm slot. Yeah, 4.30, yeah, 5 And I'd sort of get home from school and I was a little bit of a goody two-shoes. I'd get my homework done and then we'd sit in front of the TV and watch it. Yeah. And I never thought that my 35-year-old self would have you in my kitchen, <laughs> also complimenting my kitchen. Yes. And did you know that my dad was on Ready Steady Cook wow. years and years ago wow. and he won? Oh, wow. Um, I think he was with... Anthony Royal Thompson. Anthony Royal Thompson. Yeah. And the most embarrassing part of the whole experience is, first of all, my dad doesn't cook. And the one time that they went in for the um, the close-up, yeah. my dad was trying to slice an onion with the wrong side of the knife. Oh, <laughs> and we're man. all watching the TV like, Dad, <gasps> you had one, <gasps> you had one moment. One job to one do. One job. Just one job. <laughs> <laughs> and I guess what I want to ask, you know, we're talking about a huge career in TV, which is just incredible. Do you have moments of sort of reflection over the past few decades and realise how much, not only that you've achieved, but that you're still achieving? Yeah, well, I, I suppose you do. I think you, uh, as, as people that remind you like yourself now, or indeed, uh, you know, with the way the world is at the moment and we can sort of press a couple of buttons on our phone or our iPads or our computers and you can capture that moment again you know before it was all about recordings or whether you had that kind of big disc thing that used to slot in and say oh there you are in the yeah. background and now it's kind of there bang it's in front of you um, I don't do it that often I think when you are engaged in continuing to work, continuing to fulfil your dreams of being able to share your love of food with other people. When you're continuing to do that, you get wrapped up in that. So you, you don't reflect very much. And um, But I do, yeah, um, constantly looking at recipes. It means I constantly look back at some of my old recipes, some of those old recipes that I've done in the past. You know, they're some of the best. It's mm -hmm. when you were at your peak and you were creating in your head. And you can keep recreating, but we are tend to be a creature of habits we introduce new things into our into our world of food into our fridges into our diets but ultimately there's a style that we have you know there's something really interesting actually Hannah about ready steady cook and it was a producer Caroline officer who said to me she said all chefs have their own style of cooking and they just repeat it the way you do it you can't help it it's like the way you sing the way you move mm. the way you dance mm. It just comes out in the way you do it, you know, and you're sprinkling a little bit of something. There's, uh, I have a son who's, uh, who lives up in uh, Newcastle at the moment because he's studying politics up there at uni. Oh, wow. And uh, he was, uh, I remember when he was with his childminder many, many moons ago, and um, he was uh, doing, uh, that she used to do cooking with them. And he picked something up and he threw it in the pan and she said, where have I seen that before? 
No one knew I was his dad. <laughs> oh, she didn't even know. <laughs> she didn't even know Stop I was his dad. I am serious. She didn't know I was his dad. And it, when it happened, it was just like, oh, my God. Oh, my God. Where have I seen this before? She suddenly ready, steady, cook. And she knew, and of course. She spoke to the mother about it, who's my girlfriend at the time. She said, yes, Ainsley is Joe's father. <laughs> I wonder if he still does that. Oh, he does. I'm sure he does. He does. I, I cook have with to be him. honest. You are, you do cross my mind sometimes when I'm doing a little bit of a sort of if I've got the frying pan. Yeah. Up, sometimes the hand does come up you a little do, bit, do. and I feel comfortable doing it. Uh, well, it's, it's just a... me being myself. Well, it's also there's something about cooking. There's something about flamboyancy of cooking. Yes. There's something about exp well, food is an expression of oneself. And when you're putting something into it, so to put it in and give it a little bit of a yeah. shake and stuff, even if no one's there. Oh, no. Oh, yeah. That's the best time. <laughs> That's the best time. I'm not wearing anything yeah, when I'm exactly. doing it. I might just have an apron on. Yeah, exactly. But that's all about me. <laughs> you going out, darling? Yes. Oh, I'm so happy. Go now. Oh, God. So I want to take it back. I want to take it back to your childhood. You were born and raised in London. Yeah. I want to know South what London. life is like growing up, what you were eating. Eating, who was cooking sort of you know was food important in your childhood life yeah food was it really was important I am very fortunate that my uh, my mum was a not only an excellent cook but uh, she had the freedom um, uh, to go and shop quite freely and what I mean by that is that she had some money in her purse my dad was in show business and uh, when he started to become successful in it you know doing stuff for the radio and stuff like that occasionally popping up on tv more importantly just having a regular gig whether it was quaglinos or cafe royal or something like that he was out there doing his show it used to be uh two men it used to be harriet and evans which was uh, my uncle vic but eventually my dad uh, wanted to go on go, go alone uh, because he said that uh vic um, Uncle Vic, being the older man, would he said, you know, they weren't getting enough. He he liked the applause too much, so he'd sign anything just right, so okay. they'd get the gig. And my dad said to me once, and I said, so what was the difference, Dad? He said the first gig I did on my own. He said. I got double bubble and it was just one. So uh, I said, yeah, you know, so I could, I, I could understand that. But at the time, you know, he had a family, three children to support. And um, even though, you know, the marriage to my mother didn't stay for, for, forever and ever, sadly, I think he always missed her. I remember at my... Uh, 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 my... <laughs> Uh, at my at my wedding, he's quite naughty about my mum actually, um, and uh, he said, "Oh, he said no one could cook like your mother. No Aww. one could cook like your mother." He said her food was sweet, and um, and you know you reflect in life. Sometimes you you look back at things and you think it's important to be with somebody else because of you know maybe I don't know the way they dress or the way they kiss or whatever it is. But fundamentally, when you you, you look back, there's you know, why were you with a person? What attracted you to that person? What made it so special? And those values, I don't think ever go away, you know? Oh my gosh, and, no. um, you know, and, you know, they were still, as I said at my wedding, they're still laughing and jokes. They didn't see each other for years and years and years and years. And, um, you know, they were joking with each other. And, you know, they were on the dance floor having a little, busting a few moves. And I just thought, st still there. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Still Absolutely. there. Um, so growing up, uh, in answer to your question, um, she was able to cook uh, freely. She uh, and it's interesting that my sister ended up being a home home, ec home economics teacher. My brother, who told me marriage was an illusion, security, got married at twenty-one. He now has four grandchildren's been with his wife for nearly coming up fifty years. Him and Fatima. Wow. Uh, she's uh, Iranian, and um, I'm half Iranian. Yeah, well, oh, there yeah, we go. There you go. There's a connection. Beautiful. And they've got beautiful grandchildren. He does a lot of the cooking. He likes all the pots on the stove. A bit too messy for my liking. Yeah, me too. Do you know, but yeah. I don't like when they're messy. I can wipe that up. And, um, and uh, then there's myself, you know. We've all picked up something from my mum because she allowed us, Hannah. She allowed us that freedom in the kitchen. Not get away from that. That's too hot, that. If you touch that, you might burn yourself. That is hot. You know, it's showing them. You know, kids... Young children, they're like sponges. 
You know, um, this is why you can teach a child five or six different languages from the age of two or three because, and they will absorb it all. People think, oh, they haven't got the brightness. They will absorb it all mm. because ultimately they want to communicate with the mother and they'll do anything. And if it's five or six languages, it's five or six languages. If it's showing them, don't do this, don't do that. You know, why doesn't a child then put his hand in the fire or something? You know, it doesn't. It's hot. Yeah. You know, um, God forbid if something did happen like that. But... Um, I think ultimately it's just that uh, she showed us a freedom, a style, uh, an acceptance of, you know, of, of the love that she had for food, the love we had, we, we, we developed with food and the confidence we had with cooking. Um, so that's where it all started. And then it just built from there. Even my dad occasionally, when he did his Sunday thing and cook up the big rice and peas pot and thing like that, and always there's always he perfected bun bun. Do you know what bun bun no. is? When you cook the rice, yeah, and it's a bit like the uh, uh, sokarat in a uh, in a paella when you have that crispy oh, bottom. Oh, so in a, in Iranian food, it's called the tadi. There you go. The crispy rice. The crispy oh, rice. the best bit. That's it. And he'd take that off when all the rice and peas finish. He'd take it out. And he'd spread it with a little bit of butter, sprinkle some salt on it, and he'd eat it like a rice cake. So he'd like roll it up. There you go. Oh, that's what he'd that's, do. I like that idea. Uh-huh. Lovely. So give me some examples of some of the food that was on the table. Like what was your mum cooking midweek? Oh, it, always loads of marinating. Loads of marinating. I just remember her the night before, you know, whether it was chicken, lamb, beef. Um, it was always marinating stuff, putting stuff in the fridge. And uh, and she put the wet greaseproof paper, no cling film in those days, wet greaseproof paper on the top and just allow that to marinate. It was all about, you know, getting flavour into food and stuff like that. And food was really quite organic for mm-hmm. a very, very long time in this country, you know. Um, and I'll never forget the uh, chicken used to be more expensive than steak, you know, because Did you it? had to... Re- yeah, you had to wait till the bird grew the chicken grew there was no oh. artificial way of developing it quick in the old days it was the uh, and um so it was that there's fish you know we'd always have fish on a friday and it wasn't just easter friday it's just that she'd uh, you know always go down to the fishmonger and we had the greatest market down in northcote road still there now but very kind of it's kind of lost its kind of rawness to it still there the market but it was raw then and loads of markets all fish veg meat everything that you wanted you could just walk along the street there and you know it was it was just heaving deep and you'd have to queue up queue you know 10 people queuing up waiting to and i have some potatoes love carrots cauliflower mm. and, and the guys knew you and give you a few extra spuds and stuff like that and i remember writing that song about you know being down there before the sun we like to rise down to the market for fresh supplies. Get your stalls out on the street. Fix the price, we gotta compete. Cause come rain, sun or snow, we put on the Barra Boys show. Ho, 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 ho. Two pounds of Tom's is my delight. Look at those cues so green and bright. Oh, look at those cues so green and bright. Um, come on now, Mum, just have a look. Fresh as well, superb to cook. You can't beat the quality. How many pounds? One, two, or three? <laughs> Woo! I haven't sang hey, that in years. I loved it. Oh, I haven't sang that, that in years. That seamlessly brought me on to talking about the fact that a lot of people may not realise that you were in a band. <laughs> No, no, I wasn't. Oh, oh yes, you were. Oh, yes, you oh, were. Oh, no, I wasn't. Was this, was that before or after your TV? Was this as your TV career was sort of starting in your chef life or was Not this sort of... really. I think it, we were about... I went to... I went to... Um, how old was I? I was uh, 20... Uh, 22, maybe. And I went uh, touring around Europe with my friend Charles and... Um, Maybe it was maybe it was a year before that actually, yeah. And we went touring around Europe um, on Interrail. He took his guitar and I took a few percussion instruments. This is my mate from school. We'd known each other, primary school, five years old, all the way through secondary school. He was a 
he was really academic. You know, academia was his forty, unlike it was mine. You know, but he went on to um, Norwich Uni. Then he went to a postgrad in Oxford. Uh, then uh, taught at some great schools here in Marlborough. And then he became the vice principal out in Geelong Grammar School. And wow. he was up at Timbertop, which Prince Charles, which is now our king, went to um, up in Australia. And uh, he was headmaster up there for years. And when I used to go to Australia to do all my life. TV and shows, live food shows and stuff. I'd always go up and visit, drive up to Mansfield, go up there to visit him in the hills and uh, we used to have some amazing times. And so why didn't it sort of continue on? Was that because the food was sort of taking over or you just sort of felt like... What, the, the music yeah, side? Yeah, 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 the music well, side. I think that the... Um, I think that he uh, he went... To live in Australia, he, he fell in love and went to live in Australia, and there was a pause for me, a gap, um, and so uh, it was natural. And you know, the fact that he's still with Anne now, and they've got, you know, two his, his son's about to get married, Stuart's about to get married, actually, beautiful. I mean, you, love is love, mm. love. Mm. You know, you follow it anywhere, mm. especially when you know we're looking at forty odd years later, and he's still with her, yeah. and they're still, you know, still do amazing things together. I think that is. Uh, You've got to go with that. Absolutely, you know, a music, absolutely. A music, little music career can last for, you know, a couple of minutes. Um, but, uh, yeah, in answer to your question, uh, why didn't it continue? Well, because he went away and um, because, you know, um, the wind was blowing in another direction mm. for me. Mm. Which, and again, I sort of was doing a bit of my research and this could be a bit of a fast forward, it could be around the same time, but you go and train at Westminster College um, and then sort of embarked on working in some of London's top hotels and restaurants. And I'd love to know, sort of, at that time, what sort of year are we talking here? Um, 70s. So, yeah, 70, 74. What, what was the scene like in London? As you've just finished college, you're, you're going out there, you know, it's well, must be I, so I was different. actually uh, working, because I did part-time day release whilst I was at college. That means you got a day off every every week to go to the college, which meant that your course took three years instead of two. But that was okay. <clears throat> thoroughly, thoroughly enjoyed it and met some amazing people. In fact, it was only the other day that I sent uh, the uh, man who was in charge of it all, Mr Hollingsworth, his son was in touch, saying Dad's 80-something, um, maybe 85 or something like that. He's got a bit of dementia. And I sent him a note saying, yeah, hello, Mr Hollingsworth, I remember you walking around in your long white coat and stuff like that, you know. And I said it was amazing. Thank you, thank you for what you gave to all of us oh. because it, uh, mm -hmm. you know, um, lots of me and friends that I went to uh, Westminster Catering College with at the time, you know, we're still doing it. It's testimony to, to people like you who, uh, you know, laid the foundations for us and made us, you know, made us feel passionate about our careers passionate about our jobs you know so um yeah it was it was very it was it was just special do you know um so where was I? i'm digressing well, here no, a i just bit. i just i guess i'm just interested in sort of what the restaurant scene was like back it in was, those days you know very different to nowadays uh, very different i am you know uh you know i had racism i had people saying uh, you know don't want using the n-word any nn sort of cooking my me eggs and bacon and stuff like that and i said well that just about sums you up doesn't it when you used to meet people like that you know um eggs and bacon that's 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 your level in it you know i i pop that back at them but i think that it was the uh it was what we were dealing with at the time mm -hmm. not only in britain but worldwide you know uh, people just were not aware and um, it's come more to light now through especially through sport and uh, the way people were treated and people are having to you know pay the penalty now for how they treated people and uh you know it makes them look at themselves and makes them sort of realize the wrong that they were doing i was only having a bit of banter really yeah, you know right. it, it was disgusting really and uh so it is changing and people say oh there's a lot of black faces on tv now and commercials and stuff like that and as my daughter reminds me every time she said it aimed aimed at people of your generation dad whatever color they are this is for us mm. it's normalizing it for us mm. so when we look at it later we don't even bat an eyelid we don't even think there's a black person there's a person on tv oh, absolutely you know so it's 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 changing and um it's it's still evident that you know it's still there there's some people who still feel a bit bitter and stuff about that but you know um this podcast like this, it's what you're doing, it's what we're all doing. We're going to change things. We're just making people stand up, 
be a bit more responsible for yourself. Look at yourself and think, yeah, that's not right, you know? But where did that resilience come from? Because I can imagine, you know, I mean, correct me, you, you, you go into this restaurant scene, just give me sort of like numbers if you can remember. How many black people were working in the restaurants? Well, hardly any, hardly any at all. Certainly not in front of house. Can't remember. Uh, I cannot remember. I was working in uh, even at Very's restaurant at the time. No, front of house, there wasn't a black person there. I don't even know throughout my duration whether I saw anybody in the front of house. We had a, uh, there was a chef. There was a uh, chef when I walked into Very's restaurant, one of the reasons that I got drawn into the place. This was a uh, restaurant that was top end of Regent Street. Sadly gone now, but it had been established for many, many years. Ironically, I didn't know at the time that a lot of agents and people that were connected with the industry, whether for theatre or TV, mm. used to frequently go there. Verres was known as one of those restaurants mm. because London management was upstairs above you know, the top floor and stuff like that. So a lot of people used to come down there and frequent the restaurant. And it was uh, I walked in there and... Um, I saw this black chef with wild hair and one of his fingers missing. Oh. And it was, his name was Clifford Walker. And, uh, yeah, Clifford's still alive, just. His son, Kwame, came round to my house a couple of weeks ago and said, Dad's been in hospital. But, you know, I'm talking about a man that drank heavily, smoked heavily. What a wonderful chef, a really, really mm. good chef. But he's still alive, you know. <laughs> People say, you shouldn't abuse this, you shouldn't do that. It just depends on your makeup, really, mm. how long you last, you mm. know. But... Um, he took me under his wing, Hannah, and uh, gave me a tough time, actually. I learnt more from Cliff than any other person I've worked with. Clifford Walker, Malcolm Cowan was the head chef, and uh, Clifford just, you know, at the end of service, he had to polish copper pots and hang them up ready for the next service, you know. So it wasn't none of your nice copper cleaner. There was a mixture of salt, flour, and vinegar. And you'd make it into a paste and you'd have to clean all your copper pots and hang them up, rub down the stove ready for service, wipe stuff down. That was your job when you were a training chef. And, um, but I loved it because I loved the atmosphere there. And uh, Clifford taught me things, you know, how to turn a carrot, how to turn a uh, potato, how to turn a mushroom. I'm just talking about little intricate things you do with a knife and then, you know, the slow cooking of things, why you need to make a, a bechamel, why this at this temperature and uh, how you cook out a flour for a roux for different stages, you know, of whatever you're making, a white sauce or, you know, a demi-glace or something like that. It was fantastic. Wow. It was it was taking it and stripping it down and bringing me right back to basics, but teaching me the right way, even though I didn't like him sometimes for it, you know what I mean? And uh, and he did, don't, don't F double in, that, in, that, in this damn kitchen, you know, he'd really lay into me. But... Um, Maybe the person I am today. Wow, or part I was going to say. I mean, it's sorry. I do go on, don't no, I? No, no, no. Incredible, just conversation. I mean, you know, it's an interesting one because you say that when you started, you know, there was basically no one of colour working in. You know, not even just front of house, but as you said, not you know, you can't recall many people even back of house in the kitchens. And you know, as we sort of link it to what you've done with your life, which is primarily you know, cook on TV and create and produce these incredible shows around the world it's so nice to see a chef and a presenter going back to where they are from mm -hmm. to to, to Roots, host yeah. something that they actually know about because my issue especially as someone who's iranian is like i want to go and do and and talk about iranian food so therefore choose someone that has the connection that's really important, you know, and I, and I do think there is a big, I'm seeing it a little bit more, but as you said, you know, there's still a way to go. It is happening, but it's not about saying, oh, look, there's a black person on the TV, uh, you know, I don't know, publicising a new coffee. No, it's just, it should just be a person. Yeah. Yeah, is, exactly. Is is marketing something? Yeah, exactly. You know. Exactly. Well, I Regardless think I, I think of, the youth will be a bit just, like it's that. It's not just black people; it's anyone oh, of colour, right? The youth it's... will be like that. You know, I've seen it already with some of the uh, my, my as I said, my son Joe up in uh, Newcastle there with his friends. He said, "Ah, oh, that guy's wicked, man. Not that black guy's wicked. Not that white yeah. guy's wicked. That guy's wicked, mm. man." And you know, yeah, that was funny. And it's just that's what it is. Yeah. It's really kind of, uh, and you know. They still have a lot to learn because they're going home with sometimes with families with those old fashioned 
um, prejudicial values that I'm not when I say predilect, I didn't say racial because they're prejudiced against mm. loads of different mm. things and we have that in our culture you're from the wrong side of the street they don't dress right they went to the wrong school those things are going to exist anyway yeah. regardless of what color you are we're always going to have that yeah. cl class divide but it's just accepting people for who they are you know and totally that's it. absolutely Sort of still linking it to the idea of the food show, which I would say definitely in recent years, you know, definitely past over the past two years, we've all been stuck at home and suddenly everyone's become a cook. I'm sure you've seen through your own eyes the evolution of what is deemed the food show. You know, back in the day, and I'm sure we could go even further back, that, you know, as I said, obviously I grew up with Ready, Steady, Cook, mm -hmm. but I was also mm -hmm. watching a bit of like Keith Floyd and, yeah. you know, all of that. How do you feel like it's evolved in your eyes, you know, in terms of like, you know, production levels are obviously much more uh, established and it's all quite fabulous. I think it's the nation. I think we've just we're more knowledgeable about food. I think it's great when you walk out here and you walk down to your local high street and you've got the choice of, you know, 15, 20 different cuisines on your doorstep. Uh, whereas before, when I was growing up as a kid, there was a Chinese yeah. and a fish and chip shop. That was your lot. Um, so we have evolved uh, culturally uh, in, in the culinary sense. People, we have all evolved and we have um, uh, appreciated food a lot more. You can go out now and people look at a, a menu and they see, oh, I know what a jus is. It's mm -hmm. all covered in a jus. Is before they look at it, what's that? Yeah. I'll just have the steak, please. You know what I mean? It's uh, We are, uh, uh, and the way we embrace other cultures i love that I, I i love the fact that people give things a go you know what i mean and it's programs like ready steady cook that have you know um sowed the seeds mm. you know put that in there people say oh what's that what they do in there and the chefs talking about it and people voting on it and think, oh they all like it then must be something nice mm. about it mm. do you know what i mean it's that type of thing that and if every day you say you're coming home and you're watching that yes there's a fun aspect of it i brought a lot of humor into it made it easy engage with people so it became our little special moment together when we I could look at the camera and nod and we all looked at each other we'd nod too and then how it created that competitiveness within the house uh it's green pepper no it's not it's a red tomato no a greens oh no you have no idea you did it they, they did this they did that that's a far far better dish. how could they win that was rubbish do you know all of those things yeah. went on and it was great that was my house <laughs> that, that, that was it that was it that was it and then we had can't cook won't cook which was taking it in a completely different direction learning about um people who really can't cook and the idea of a program like that broke down barriers again mm. breaks it down yeah we're I'm not the only person that's bad. It's a bit like watching EastEnders and realising you're know, the only you're not the only family that argues. Yes. Do you know what I mean? It's you're just... absolutely right, actually. It's true because I do even think, even in this day and age, where sort of, you know, everyone and we're going to come to this in a minute, just because I'm interested in your um, opinions on it. You know, everyone's a cook on social media, and there is that weird pressure. I think with some people, where it's like, well, you know, mine doesn't look as pretty as hers, and it's like. Well, actually, okay. There's an element of presentation, but if it tastes great, then who cares what it takes? What it looks so like. It's so casual now, Anna. The yeah. food is so casual. You know, not your magazines and whether you're looking at the Good Housekeeping, delicious, or yeah. what any of them. You know, they, the way that they just kind of, you know, casually sort of throw the the food on the plate now because it's supposed to look inviting. It's supposed to look, I should say, organic, if you like. Do you know what I mean? Um, and we are drifting a little bit of a way of the amuse-bouche presentation mm. of fine dining and everything looking all beautiful on a plate. There's still room for it. That will never, ever go away. But I think if you're going to encourage people to cook and encourage people just to get on with it, it's about, right, you've got some good ingredients now. This is what you do with it, and it will taste great. I also think that, just back to Ready, Steady, Cook, it was the original show and sort of the original dialogue that showed you that food doesn't need to be complicated making a meal and cooking doesn't need to be complicated mm. you know there's a load of chefs that i love their food and i admire what they've done but when there's sort of 35 ingredients in a recipe 
I'm not doing that for a midnight, a midweek meal. You know, I don't have time for that. But knowing that I think it was seven items, you know. It would depend. It could be five five quid. There we go. And actually, it's come round full circle. You know, we've got a cost of living situation going on that in for five pounds, I can make a delicious meal for my family. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. There's just no excuse anymore. No, and, uh, you know, stuff is out there, but it's, it is all about quality of produce. Yeah. You know, and fortunately, you know, we are going to go for a period now where, you know, the price of food will go up and stuff like that. Um, uh, will it encourage us to cook ho- at home a lot more? I'd like to think so. Um, because I think if you've got... It, it, it is about time. It is about finding the time to... Whether it's to marinade or just to just to slow down enough to be able to cook, but not all of us are are, are in that position. Mm. Not all of us have that. You know, you've got a beautiful kitchen living here with your your hubby. I'm in a house which is uncomfortable, but not everybody is in situations like that. And you know, it does open your eyes it, when we did that program called My World Kitchen. It was for the children for the BBRCBBs. It was fascinating because uh, when we first started doing it, we've got. Uh, put out the request and we found all these people coming forth they've got lovely homes but then you know there were times when we'd end up on a little council estate and in order just to get the camera there we'd have to take off a door so we could actually film into their kitchen's tiny little area mm. and you know this is and and i think that's important it's Absolutely. so important to show that yeah you know and when you show that so everybody can cook you know and seeing the kids cook and bringing their friends around them. They're all sitting around here in a tight little space eating. That's what it's all mm. about, bringing people yeah, together. Totally. That's why I always talk about that, you know, I, I don't know about you, but I was raised around a kitchen table and I think it's really important to sit down and share food. And mm. someone said to me, well, what about if someone doesn't have a kitchen table? I said, so, so I'll, I'll sit on the floor with you. Yeah, yeah. The, the point is, it's the conversation over food, I think, at the end of the day, that's uh, quite important. Uh, it doesn't matter where you are. Sometimes my husband and I will sit on a sofa together or we'll sit... I'll sit on the floor. Yeah. Don't well, need a, don't I, need I remember when table. my uh, brother's wife, it, um, her Iranian mother, came over and we sat on beautiful carpet. Well, there we go. And the food well, was there, all there. Yeah. And we'd all lay, lay, lay down. Yeah. And my, my mum would lie down and say, my damn hip killing me. <laughs> because she, <laughs> she couldn't... <laughs> She couldn't get up. We don't have to stand there pulling her up. (laughs) (laughs) All right, mum, don't worry, Jesus. I should damn hip them. Iranian culture wasn't for her. I know exactly. Tell me, could do you remember any of sort of like, or still at this moment, some of your greatest memories of TV? Um, Do you know what? And it's one of the it's one of the hardest things to say great memories because they are still happening. They're still you know we're talking about evolvement and stuff like that. Um, it's almost like you know I've just done something called you know HD's uh, World Cup flavors or the, for, for ITV and it, and I'm now looking at that thinking I had some great memories for that. And then a couple of weeks time we start filming something else and I'll have memories for that. And I look back now and I'm thinking, all of them were just fantastic memories. The people that I met along the way, you know, I met some fantastic people, you know. 16 years, nearly 2,000 shows of Ready, Steady, Cook. You meet an awful lot of people. Some of them come up to me now and say, I was on Ready, Steady, Cook in 1994 and 1997 and I did this and I did that and I've still got the wooden spoon and all that type of stuff or I've still got the cup, you know, (laughs) which is said, I'm a Ready, Steady, Cook mug, you know. Um, Stuff like that, which was just... And it's just wonderful, and it the kind of so you you relive a, yeah. relive a little bit of those memories. But I don't, you know, travelling. I've I've been really fortunate. I've travelled to some of the most amazing places in the in in the world, and uh, seen some some fantastic things that I was able to share with the viewer. But I wasn't necessarily able to share with my loved ones. And my ambition more now is to be able to go back with my loved ones or my partner and share them. Do you know what I mean Absolutely. by that? Because it's it's there's something about doing working and doing it, but that shared experience that you have with your 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 your, your, your loved one or your your partner or your children very 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 Completely different. different. So um, did you ever get to take any of like your kids never away with you? Never, never never because it was purely work. You know, 
You know, in production company, them have no yeah, money. Yeah, them have no money. There is I'm thinking, yeah, we'll invite the whole family. Mum's coming, dad's coming. Exactly, exactly. Oh, God, can you imagine everyone there? Yes, man. I'm not staying in this room. I want the room with overlooking the ocean. <laughs> Well, that sounds a bit like me as well. <laughs> oh, I, I had Grace Dent on last season oh, of the yeah. podcast and she absolutely sings your praises. Oh, and you lovely. guys created such a brilliant show, which was called Best of Britain by the Sea. And I wanted to ask you, what did you learn about the UK and everywhere else oh, whilst you were filming it? I think both of us, we were amazed at how beautiful our country is. Yeah. You know, you, you it sometimes takes your breath away. And in all sorts of weather, we, you know, we didn't know what. Sometimes, you know, the, uh, um, how do we refer to it? Inclement weather. <laughs> it was, you, you didn't know what you're going to find. But I tell you what, it's when you go to some of these places and, um, you know, even the Isle of Wight that we went to. Beautiful it was, place, oh, Isle of Wight. Just magnificent. And, mm. you know, some of the people that are there and the, the lifestyle and stuff like that. And I, I think I went there when I was... A, a child, no real memories, probably bored sitting in the back of a car and having to sort of walk up and down a beach and then eat some sort of popcorn or some lolly or something like that. But going back there as an adult and just seeing it and being able to travel around, you know, the island and, uh, you know, get all the history from, you know, Queen Victoria being down there in Albert and everything else. Yes, they build it up. Oh, Queen Victoria came here. She probably visited it once, <laughs> but that's enough. Yeah, it? that's fine. And, uh, <clears throat> and I'm not talking about the, the Isle of Wight. They, they had a beautiful home home there, but at one of the hotels, and she'd go there for afternoon tea or something like that. But it was, it was beautiful, and uh, being able to do it with Grace because I think um, you know we had a lovely chemistry, and uh, and I love the way I love her writing style, and oh, she's great. and she wears her heart on her sleeve. You know, I mean, when she sees something, she genuinely is aghast with it and think this is so beautiful, this is the most wonderful thing because. You don't necessarily share things like that in life, mm. you know, very often. As I said, I've uh, having travelled everywhere and I've been doing it by myself and presenting and being able to share with someone and have those little moments. And, of course, we were in a bubble at the time because we were getting as our driver and the two of us and it, we were just in a bubble and we had to get on and uh, and, you know look at each other first thing in the morning and last thing at night. Well, not quite last thing at night because at the end of the day you were sh absolutely shattered and you just go off to bed. But, you know, and early starts, five, six o'clock starts and stuff like that. But lovely, lovely, mm. lovely, lovely. But, yes, Britain is beautiful. And uh, uh, I'm talking about going, even going up to Scotland, Aberdeenshire and places like that, which is just haven't been to, you know, um, and seeing some of the magnificent beaches and you know and that the wildlife that's that, that's attached to those beaches you because we just walk along them and sort of tinkle our toes in the water if it's cool if it's Ooh, warm enough you know you're but brave. i know exactly oh, yeah. but just just some fan just some fantastic places just uh really really beautiful i asked her where was the best fish and chips where was yours norwich Really? Yeah. I thought the... Uh, Interesting. I'm trying to remember what she said. She didn't say that. Yeah, well, I think it was Norfolk. I think it was Great Yarmouth. Oh, okay. And uh, so it wasn't Norwich. But Beautiful that, that, Norfolk. That, that going down there to, towards Great Yarmouth. And I just thought that the... I think the chips were cooked in... Um, chips were cooked in uh, dripping. Oh, that's the that's And the I just think that they, uh, they just tasted exceptional. I don't even know if we had the fish. I did have some fish, actually. But I think we shot in two different places. And the woman who cooked for me was, uh, was just chips. All she did was chips. And she cooked <laughs> chips. And she'd been doing it for 40 years. And I remember turning around to her head and I said to her, oh, dear. I said, so do you ever have chips at home? She goes, I can't stand the bloody <laughs> things she does. She said, once I've finished here, she said, I don't want to look at a chip, she said. She's been you know, cooking chips for 40, 40 years. 40 years. And she said the market's changed. She shared with me, you know, how the market's changed. It used to be throbbing. Like all of us, I yeah. talked about Northcote Road earlier and saying the market was, you know, awash with people. Well, you know, our lifestyle's changed now. Of course. And if you're anything like my, uh, my daughter's young friend, you know, suddenly there's a knock on the door and there's a delivery. 
I'm thinking, what's going on? You know, I love a walk around the shop, me. Me too. I love a walk around the shop, seeing all the different brands. I like touching things. Touching and things. Just like finding new things. Oh, and, and communicating. Yes. Seeing with, you know, seeing people and talking to people. And hello, how are you? All right, then. Yeah. yeah and they say, oh, you know, how many times they come up with a red tomato, green pepper? <laughs> what are you going to do with this today? And they're waving it in front, in front of them like this. Oh, my God. <laughs> Will you ever get bored of that? Oh, I wonder. Oh, you can't. Do you oh, know, no. you just can't. Like the show was like an institution of life. Oh, it was absolutely. just absolutely. You just can't. You... So you mentioned a minute ago uh, the new show, which is called Ainsley's World Cup Flavors, which is combining, I assume, two oh. of your favourite things in well, life. It is food and football. food and football. <laughs> and it is actually the amount of. You know, I'm always engaged in food every day. You know, um, sometimes it might just be a bit of toast for the day, you know, but there's always something going on. And um, I don't mind baking a bit of bread. Don't do as much as I used to when the kids were growing up, but um, love all of that. Um, and so, you know, I, I think that when you, when, you, when, you, when you talk about food and football, it's, uh, it's just, they go hand in hand. Yeah. You know, and it's all the things that we link with football, the easiness of easiness of what we eat and uh and more importantly, it's it's quite often shared food, you know, when you start a bit of football or you go to football with your kids or your family and your mates. And um and and it's it was a fantastic opportunity to talk about the World Cup. You know, that I had no recollection of the sixty six World Cup. Yes, I am actually old enough to uh to to have been around at Darling, the time. Darling, you don't look it. I know, but my <laughs> mum my mum actually took us all off. We went to uh went to New York to the World Trade Fair and then we left New York after visiting my grandparent to my father's side and went to my uh, my mum's family home in Kingston, Jamaica, just outside St Andrews in Kingston, Jamaica, to visit my grandfather and um and you know all the family there. My uncle Harry, who was not that much older than us, who would climb up the tree and chop down the coconut, chop up the coconut, and we could drink the. Oh, the and then he'd stop give, it. He'd chop off a little bit of the edge to create the spoon, so we could have the soft, oh, interior of it. It was absolutely beautiful. So uh, yeah, so I'm 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 supposed to be telling you about my show. Well, I kind of want to know what the, what's the premise of the show. So it, it's episodic. Mm. And are you travelling around? Uh, no, I'm uh, in my kitchen and I invite guests. I have fabulous guests and we'll have people like Glenn Hoddle, uh, Jermaine Genus, Michael Owen, uh, Sam Allardyce will be there, Mark Pugash, uh, Jill Scott, who was a fantastic, scored that vital goal for, the, for us in the Euros, for the women to win, England Yay. to win. Brilliant, brilliant, brilliant. She was fantastic too. Oli Murs, um, who else did we have? We had the uh, guy from the Lightning Seeds, uh, Ian um, Ian uh, Bodie, yeah, who did the uh, um, Free Lions, and yeah. I think I think I think they're going to be. We we think they're going to be doing a new one for the uh, Ooh, for, for England down in Qatar. So I think that's going to be very very exciting, and uh, yeah, and it was great because you know you're talking to all these people who are all passionate about football a lot of them are passionate about food too except glenn hoddle he can't cook at all he, <laughs> he tells me he burns toast you know i just can't cook ainsley you know i tried it you know and everything it keeps going wrong <laughs> somehow it doesn't surprise me I'm, about glenn hoddle I'm, but you know yeah. <laughs> oh but there's one wonderful moment when uh, we have this little intro at the uh, <clears throat> at the very start of the program before we roll the titles and i walk up to camera and i say i'm just about to start doing this new show oh, i'm so excited about it it's all about two of my favourite things, food and football. I'll be talking about iconic moments in the World Cup, great teams, great players, great goals. I said, the only thing is, being an Arsenal fan, with my guest, I said, the last thing I want is them to be connected with Chelsea or the Spurs. I said, oh, someone's arriving, and I opened the door, Glenn Oddle gets oh, out. No. I went, Glenn Oddle. <laughs> and I walked off, I said, roll the titles. <laughs> Did you tell him you're an Arsenal supporter? Oh, he knows. Oh, God. First thing he did when he got out, when, when he arrived upstairs before we did this, he said, your team's doing quite well, isn't it? Actually, your team. <laughs> <laughs> it's like... 
<laughs> that's, I, you know, that's the kind of TV you love when yeah. you just, it just, it just works. Oh, yeah. So when can we catch the show? Yeah, uh, it's going to be on ITV and starts on the 22nd of October. Amazing. <clears throat> 11.35 in the morning, so don't have too much of a late night, you know. <laughs> I can't uh, promise anything, Ainsley. Oh, no. <laughs> but it's going to be great because we're going to be able to, you know, talk about football and food and uh, all of that stuff. All and, the good uh, stuff. Yeah, and can I ask you, I mean, this is, um, we are obviously filming a few weeks ahead of actual air date. What are your predictions for the World Cup? Um... It's 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 such a it's it's so wide open now because with all the European teams and all the players, even the South American teams now, um, you know, this is a World Cup happening in the middle of the season. I think the quality is going to be unbelievable. Mm. I feel that uh, um, you know if Gareth Southgate allows England to play with a certain amount of freedom instead of with the break on, then I think England have got a really good chance to go all the way, but. That's what it's all about. I think there's sometimes you show too much respect. I think you've got to go out there and when 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 it's a competition time, I think that's always been our problem is that yeah. just being a bit reserved, not really going for it. We have the talent now yeah. and if they if they let those players free, uh, then we have every chance. Dark horses, I don't know, people like Denmark could be a bit of a dark horse. I I always still want people. Uh, I still want Brazil to get through because I love seeing that yellow and blue shirt, blue shorts. I mean, I I I, I, I you know, <laughs> yellow shirt, blue shorts. I remember watching the World Cup for the first time in 1970 in colour TV and falling in love with all of these nations because of the beautiful shirts mm. that were out there. It was fantastic. So, um, I'd yeah. love for you to be a football commentator. Oh. I honestly think you'd bring such a great angle to like oh, my, 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 my football matches at home. Yeah, yeah. I'm putting you up for it. I'm, so, I'm sawing it out. I'm sawing it out. One day MBE <laughs> next football commentator. <laughs> <laughs> right, back to the food. Oh, lovely. What are some of your specialities at home? Um, oh, again, it's got to be a shared experience. Very little do I actually put on the plate. You know, uh, my uh, my son's uh, girlfriend, Adela, she's uh, very much into pasta. She's Albanian. Okay. And she's got some... Uh, she has some lovely little things. My son cooks too, but uh, he's one of those that should take him 45 minutes, takes him two and a half hours. Yeah, my slowly husband. Slowly chops like yeah. that, puts a little bit of this in, puts a bit of piles the pans up and everything else, you know. <laughs> Not you know. what we're into. No, 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 we no, like no, a no. clean kitchen. Like, like a clean mug. Yeah. Yeah, look, yeah, oh, that needs spraying, you know. <laughs> spray that <laughs> I'm that awful person if my husband is cooking I'm sort of around sort of following him like I know, I know. spraying as uh, he's cooking I know I think I think you should have a couple of kids that will stop you yeah no one. yeah yeah all right, yeah, all right. No, all right stop I'm gonna, you're gonna tip me over the edge why, why is he laughing why, why is he smiling he's left the room oh he's gone <laughs> his passport's missing <laughs> is there any food you dislike um Cucumber, funnily enough, because it's, wow. it, well, it gives me a little bit of a headache and it's 90 odd percent water. And whatever the enzyme is, it kind of, yeah. And I used to eat it, uh, Hannah, as a child. My mum used to give it a little, peel a little bit off, sprinkle it with salt, and just eat it. But I used to get migraines and stuff like that. And eventually, it took a few years, I discovered it was down to that cucumber or. Um, and people don't realise, because quite often it is food-related, or the uh, melon, underripe melon, the melon okay. that's too green yeah. and it's got that taste to it. Um, I think, uh, yeah, um, the old lotus plant, sometimes when that's a bit too, uh, you know, not quite ripe mm. enough, and I've had that, and then the crispy fried and stuff like that, and that can kick off a little bit of a, a headache too. So things like that that I... I it's not if it's in the food fine i can put it to one side or if there's a taste i'll taste it but i wouldn't want like a cucumber soup or something like yeah. that okay you know but that, that that's the only thing i don't like but you know the worst thing i've ever eaten was when i was out in um Reykjavik and uh you know they, they used to find ways of preserving well meat and stuff like that and they used to soak in urine what? um yeah soak in urine in order to preserve it 
because I, you, you know about people who live out in the wild and stuff like that. You, your urine is a way of, uh, for instance, if you've got sore feet or something like that, you're supposed to wee on your feet because it's kind of like an antiseptic. Oh, well, and it's there a we preservative. go. <laughs> Things and are going to change very quickly in this I house. Know, exactly, exactly. <laughs> your sweet fell a bit funny tonight, love. Smell a bit funny tonight. <laughs> what are you implying? <laughs> <laughs> oh, we're so weird. And, um, and I, I tried that because I was doing my a series, you know, around the world, eating lots of unusual foods and stuff like that. And that not only smelt awful, yeah. I mean, really, really, really difficult to put into your mouth. Because some things, they just don't smell. Yeah. It's just the idea of what they are, like a bit of snake or mm-hmm. something like that. People get put off or a bit of rat that tastes like chicken. But, you know, it's, um, it's the idea that something smells so toxic but that's what they had to do in those mm-hmm. days. You know, they, 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 they would preserve the, the, the meat there so it was edible because otherwise it would just freeze and they could chew. Oh, it was awful. It was awful. It made me rich. Yeah. This is a bit of a, uh, a ready, steady, quick question, I feel. What three items are always in your fridge? <laughs> I don't know why I'm is, laughing this already. Is, this is going to be very revealing. <laughs> Tomato ketchup, daddy's brown sauce and mayonnaise. (laughs) (laughs) Everyone's going to expect something posh, you know? (laughs) I'm just telling you the truth. But that's why I love the question, because it is quite a revealing question. It is a revealing question. Okay. I need my brown sauce to go on my sausage sandwich. I love love a bit of ketchup on certain things, you know, uh, that I I make up and... uh, and um, mayonnaise, yeah. Mayonnaise is the base for any really decent wrap or anything like that. A little bit of mayo and a little bit of sriracha or something like that. And then you can start sprinkling all sorts of things on the top there and roll them up, wrap them up. A um, bit of halloumi I normally have in the fridge. I like a little bit of pan-fried that, you know. Don't really char grill it. I don't take the grill out. But just a bit of pan-fried, you know. Hardly any oil, just let it brown up a little bit, warm it, because you need it warm, otherwise a bit mm. rubbery. But that's really, really lovely. Um, relishes. I always have relishes that I've made up in the fridge, but I don't use them very often. You mean, you know, it's like he wants one of those things. brown sauce. Oh, yes. I always make my own pickles and they stay in your fridge for about a year and a half. You know? They're usually probably quite nice after what? a year, you know. I, I absolutely. Oh, yeah. That's when they're good. They're fermentation. Yeah, absolutely. You know, they talk about all this fermenting gut stuff <laughs> no, no, now. All the, no, no, all the, no. All this uh, Korean type of vegetable <laughs> that's fermented makes your fart smells like <laughs> rotten cabbage. <laughs> Oh, God. Oh, lovely. When you do find yourself out and about, where are some of your favourite restaurants to go to? Um, uh, out and about, oh, I kind of, uh, you know, the real beauty of living in um, in England is that, you know, as I mentioned before, so much choice. There is just so much choice. And um, to nail it down to one, you know, I've got Kersan, which is a little Thai place, which a friend of mine, uh, Giselle, um, Used to be Eddie, but now called Giselle runs, and uh, he's uh, oh, she sorry has turned it into an amazing started down in Brixton. They've got one in Tooting, one in Wandsworth, and I just love what they've done. I love when people have just taken something. And when you walk in there, you know we talked about family before. Mm. All family, love it. All family from who's taking the money, the auntie, the granny, everyone down to who's working in the kitchen. It's just a family affair, and uh, you know, and and it's nice. And you could take your own booze and stuff like that. So the uh, little uh, Mister, uh, I think his name's Mister Patel, who's got the little license off license across the road. Used to be the worst off license in Wandsworth. Everything was dusty. Now all I have to find is Wayne's. <laughs> He's transformed it into the most. It's the you can get the best wines, everything, because people go there to buy wines to take them over over to the. I love that. He's probably doing very well. He's done exceptionally well, and he always rings hello, and I love him. We have a little bit of a joke. I said, "You're getting some wines." Oh, yes, very busy, and I love him for that. You know, all your chocolates and all that are gone. All your biscuits are gone now. It's all wine and beer and stuff like that. You know, and he's getting he's getting really cultural. I think his son stepped in and is getting all these kind of gluten free beers. Oh, okay. oh, get the right beers yeah. in, Dad. Oh yes, oh yes. I <laughs> love that. Love it. Anywhere else? Um, oh well, you know, it, it it depends. I've got some cute little Italians down in Northcote Road, uh, where I live in South London. Um, bit of fine dining. Then you've got 
dare I say, you've got Shea Bruce for over in Wandsworth there for a little bit of fine dining. Uh, don't get go there as much as I used to. A bit my ex-wife's favourite restaurant. One way. My partner now lives up in Chester. We got this. We got the Sticky Walnut up there. We got a couple of Chinese restaurants up in Chester, and uh, you know there are there there are a few nice places around. You know, uh, great sort of coffee shops now that have opened up, which I I love because I think that's <coughs> bringing the community together, brings people together. Places like that. Um, so you know, it's nothing necessarily specific. Mm. You know, I I like going out and trying new places. I still like going to the old sort of classics. So when I I'm in town, you know, go to classic Chinese or classic go to the Ivy or something like that because I just think they have a history there. Yeah. You know, and um and and it's nice and for people who haven't been, it's real joyous yeah, because yeah. I say we've got history. Do you know? It's good. Yeah. I always finish my conversations with a few quick fire questions. Ooh. Are you ready? Oh, why, hello, Hannah. Uh, <laughs> I think you may have already answered this first question, but we'll go for it anyway. What is the craziest food you've ever eaten? Uh, yeah, I think probably going back to that well meat is yeah. probably the craziest. A few cockroaches and stuff that I've had out when I've been out in Asia and stuff like that. Didn't mind that because these people have been eating that type mm. of food and yeah. they're actually saying that that's where we're going to get our protein from in years to they're come. Apparently so. they're very high in protein. I think ants are really high in protein yeah, or wow. something, amino acid or something, I've heard. And it's, it's fascinating. We, you know, we've, we've still got a lot to learn yeah. about those things, that sort of creepy, crawly things. That yeah. Everything eats everything, doesn't it, in you know, yeah. the jungle? But I think it's absolutely what you touched on, is that if you didn't, if you didn't hear what the name of it was and you were just given it... Yeah, you'd probably eat you'd it. You get it, you know. If it mixed in with something yeah. chopped up with a bit of rice. Yeah. Oh, what's that crispiness? Yeah. You know, what's that crunchiness? Oh, lovely. Yeah. What has been your most memorable meal? Memorable meal is one that. Uh, oh, maybe it's one that, you know, uh, you f you fell in love with someone with, you know, and that's happened on a few occasions in my life when you just you're eating something and. Actually, you're not interested in what's on the plate, are you? <laughs> oh, lovely. Oh, yeah. Come back to that later. <laughs> We've. Uh... <laughs> are you blushing, Hannah? Are you, are you blushing, love? I am a little bit. <laughs> I'm, I'm hoping that you're talking about me, actually. <laughs> so, um, um, I think, it, yeah, it's hard, isn't it? It's hard to kind of think a memorable meal. I did have, I uh, never forget when I was out in Australia once. And I went to a restaurant called The Iceberg, which was, um, and it was probably one of the coolest places I'd been to at the time. This is going back, oh, this is going back 20 odd years. And I remember um, it just opened and the uh, chef there, she was amazing. And I, I remember the lighting of the place. I remember this being, the food just blew me away. I can't remember what it was. And I was just there. And I remember my uh, Jeremy used to be, look, this is magnificent. And I had a similar experience when I went to Rockpool, another um, restaurant out there that was just, it was the occasion, mm -hmm. it was being away, um, company, you know, there was people out there that, you know, there was a, uh, someone that I really, really liked and that, that, that was there and, you know, when you're in a situation like that, the way you engage with everything, you you look at the way the person moves their mouth, the way they talk, everything, you're connecting with them. Yeah. And I think that's that's when you get a really something that's very, very classical, something something that's very memorable. Because we all eat lots of delicious food. Yeah. But, you know, dare I say, it's pro it is probably the company, isn't I, it? And, I, and <laughs> I actually completely agree with you. I think it's the company, it's the setting, it's everything mm. all together. It's mm -hmm. sometimes not just the food. My favourite question I'm about to ask you. My favourite snack of all time is a packet of crisps. Ooh. Ooh, yes. My Monster Munch is sitting pride in place Ooh. in my cake stand. Ooh. What is your favourite flavour of crisp and why? <laughs> I'm so nervous. No, I'm not nervous at all. <laughs> I am. I, well, I'll tell you what. I love hula hoops because I remember the original hula hoops I used to get them I used to put them on my fingers all the way around like rings and I one by one I'd eat off 
I would pull off these hula hoops into my mouth and eat them. And it was something, and I couldn't wait for them to finish. So I could put another <laughs> ten <laughs> hula hoops. I can only get it on one finger now. <laughs> they do, they do extra large ones. Do now. they really? They oh, oh, hallelujah! 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 <laughs> They actually do. They do like a whole bag of all these really. They like called like XL. They're called for people with fat fingers. That's what it's. (laughs) You fat finger. That's it. We'll leave it there. That's definitely a lawsuit waiting to happen, isn't it? They are such an underrated crisp because they got a great crunch. Right, they're, they're 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 a substantial meal. Yeah, yeah. Love them, and they had good it. flavors. Oh. I liked the beef ones. Yeah, yeah. I think it was like beef and mustard but or something. Beef, salt, vinegar. Salt because vinegar you can get a mixed great. bag, but the yeah. original, original for me. But the original, yeah. Takes me back to when I was a kid. I like that. I mean, there's so many good crisp out there now. The way that they've developed them, and you know, some have got more salt and more sugar than we ever need in our whole <laughs> Life. diet for the for the week or the, for the year. So what? You know, yeah. if you if you like a what's it, you like a what's it. Exactly. Yeah. Who's judging? Yeah. Only me. Okay. <laughs> what food sums up happiness for you? I'd probably say, you know, um, for me, one of my happiest moments when my mum made her red pea stew. And it was a bowl. It had pig foot in it. It had beef that salted beef that had been soaked uh, to remove the salts, and then boiled up and everything. It was coconut. It was thyme. It was everything else. And we'd have it a pot in the middle of the table, red peas and everything. And we'd have that. And uh, <laughs> we used to call it floating duvet stew for obvious reasons because it was really pungent, you know. But it was. <laughs> I just got that. I know, yes. (laughs) But it was magnificent. And one of the reasons is because we'd all share it. And my mum would put dumplings and everything with it. And that was, for me, was... You know, and I've I've mentioned it 20 times in my... I've mentioned it my whole career because it just makes me smile, brings back joy, brings back happiness, brings back wonderful memories. Yeah. What a lovely answer. Mm. And the final question... Live to eat or eat to live? Ah, now that is the question. Uh, I think eat to live. And I think by nourishing yourself, you live better anyway. Wow, that's really taken me by surprise. Mm. I, I love the answer yeah, yeah. because this is it's a quite a philosophical one. So it's there's no obviously right or wrong, but it's how you It's like chicken egg, really, isn't yeah. it? It's like chicken egg, but I think if you nourish yourself properly, then you will be able to live to nourish again. Aye. Yes, sister. Yeah. No, we can't get married. <laughs> I'm ready. <laughs> Where's Mueller Roots? <laughs> my ring (laughs) Ainsley this has been the biggest joy thank you so much for joining me and I hope that this is the start of a wonderful friendship between us hula hoops or not thank you thank you until next time thank you for listening if you love what you hear please subscribe and review don't forget to follow me on instagram at crazy sexy food and check out the crazy sexy food youtube channel until next time bye